Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. So what do you talk about on a day of celebration and God's faithfulness as we celebrate 10 years of his goodness and faithfulness towards us? We're going to diverge a little bit this week away from the book of Luke, where we have been uh, over the past eight weeks or so. Eight weeks, yes, it is eight weeks. We're going to diverge a bit today. We're going to go across to another book, uh, the book of Deuteronomy. So this is the uh, really important part of our service here at Exchange. If you're with us for the first time, uh, my name is Todd Hall. I'm the lead pastor of the church here. Uh, great joy and privilege to be able to do that, do that and to open up God's word and to uh, have him speak to us through that and his spirit working through that in our lives as well to bring it to uh, our understanding. Uh, so today we're going to, um, as I said, just diverge a bit across to another book. Before I get there though, uh, faithfulness. Faithfulness is a uh, beautiful and powerful attribute. Uh, I know of some people who suffer from PTSD who have pets uh, that give them really a lot of strength to carry on in life. These pets, as it were, can't communicate with their owners, so they can't really have this meaningful relationship in that sense. They can't talk to their owners, although sometimes some owners might think that their pets are talking to them. But what their owners do derive is another level of relationship here uh, from the companionship of these animals. And, uh, And that relationship is really built on faithfulness, just the faithfulness of the animal that they have. You know, that dog is just always there. It's always a faithful dog. It doesn't leave, it doesn't run away, it's just there and remains faithful. Uh, That's something that these sufferers, unfortunately, in these times can really uh, build some trust and confidence in. It's just in the faithfulness of that pet or that animal that they have as a companion for them. Uh, Today, as we think about faithfulness, we actually want to spend some time reflecting on the faithfulness of God as we celebrate his faithfulness towards us here at Exchange Church in 10 years of existence. So if you've got your Bibles, please go to Deuteronomy chapter 31. And we're going to start from verse 30 and read to 32 verse 14. Starting at verse 30 of chapter 31, Then Moses spoke the words of of this song until they were finished, in the ears of all the assembly of Israel. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. May my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, like gentle rain upon the tender grass, and like showers upon the herb. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. They have dealt corruptly with him. They are no longer his children because they are blemished. They are a crooked and twisted generation. Do you thus repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Is not he your father who created you, who made you and established you? Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you your elders and they will tell you. When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the people according to the number of the sons of God. But the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his allotted heritage. 
He found him in a desert land and in the howling waste of the wilderness. He encircled him, he cared for him, he kept him as the apple of his eye. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, bearing them on its pinions, the Lord alone guided him. No foreign god was with him. He made him ride on the high places of the land, and he ate the produce of the field, and he suckled him with honey out of the rock, and oil out of the flinty rock, curds from the herd, and milk from the flock, with fat of lambs, rams of Bashan, and goats, with the very finest of wheat. And you drank foaming wine made from the blood of the grape. Lord, we thank you today that we can come and celebrate your faithfulness towards us for 10 years of uh, sustaining and uh, keeping Exchange Church. Lord, even now, as we look at this passage, we see a glorious picture of faithfulness here to Israel. We ask and pray, Holy Spirit, just open up our heart and eyes and mind to see this glorious picture of faithfulness, that it would grow within us a heart of faith and worship and thanksgiving in return. Now, Lord, we ask that now, we pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, after reading that passage, you may be asking, what is Moses doing here when he does this? Has he sat down at the inspiration of the moment and just penned this song? What's inspired him to write this 43-verse song? Because we only read 14 verses there. It's actually 43 verses long, this song. It's a long song. What's the purpose of all Israel here gathering together to hear this song recited and then actually called to remember it? Because actually that's what they're called to do, is to remember this song. Thinking about that, Israel has just been through a 40-year wilderness journey, a journey of God's faithfulness towards them and a journey of Israel's mixed mixed unfaithfulness towards God. Uh, This journey has led them to the promised land, the land that God has given to the Israelites. And right at this point, where this is happening with Moses at this time, uh, they stand right on the border of this promised land. Moses, their leader, has gathered them all before him And he now sort of delivers his final address to them, his final talk, his final sermon, many people think the book of Deuteronomy is. It's a bit like his last will and testament before Moses dies. And if you read through another bit further on in this book, uh, Moses does die at the end of Deuteronomy. But Moses is really keen here to tell them about God. One last time, he wants to remind them again in his exciting and solemn time who God is. Moses wants this truth about God, as it were, etched upon their hearts, etched upon their minds before they cross over the Jordan River and enter into the promised land at this time. So Moses does this in the, in the form of a song. And often you can remember jingles from the past. Songs just stick in our minds. So he does this in the form of a song so they will remember this and they'll learn it. Uh, in verse 2, Moses tells us he's actually teaching the Israelites, and so maybe he's even praying here at the start of the song, that his teaching will come down as the gentle, refreshing rains on the tender grass. Uh, this is what God's word is ultimately designed to do. It is to refresh our soul and spirit, that it is to lift us out of darkness and bring us into God's light. Here's our big idea for today. Kath, if you can just put that up for us. Here's our big idea for today. God is faithful, taking us from a place of barren wastelands to a place of fruitfulness and blessing. That's what we're going to see echoed here through this song as Moses takes them through it. So firstly, who is God? 
who, uh, sorry, it's a really big question asked at the top, but we're actually going to see a bit of who God is uh, at the start of this song. The central aspect of Moses' song here is God, the sovereign, supreme creator of everything. God is actually all through this song. And Moses jumps right in here to put, to put God sort of front and centre right at the start to get the foundation right in this song. Now have a look in verse 3 there. It says this, uh, Remember Israel, the greatness of your God. Remember Israel, the greatness of your God. Uh, There is none greater than him. Uh, He has no rivals. Uh, He has no limitations. Remember Israel, the greatness of your God. There's none that can rival God. Look in verse 4. Verse 4 is one of these verses you could camp on for a long time. We're not going to do that today. Uh, We're just going to sort of spin through some of these verses to build this picture here. Verse 4, God is likened to a rock, strong and steadfast, immovable. Uh, Perhaps you've been down to the ocean, you see those waves crashing against those rocks. Uh, You don't see the rock there for a few moments because the waves cover the rock and the foam's all over it, but then it all dissipates away. And where's the rock? The rock hasn't moved strong and powerful. God is perfect in all of his ways. He's just and fair with every decision that God makes. He makes no mistakes because God is without error. There's nothing within God that is wrong or in error. Then Moses goes on to tell us another glorious aspect of God here, and that is his faithfulness. His faithfulness. God never lets us down. He can't let us down. It's impossible for him to do that. You might ask, well, why is that impossible for God to do that? There's nothing in the the being of God that will ever cause him to be unfaithful. That will never happen. Part of God's perfections in who he is as God is his perfect commitment in faithfulness, no matter what, no matter where, no matter when. Not even our unfaithfulness triggers God to be unfaithful to himself or unfaithful to us. Because it says later on in the Bible, where we are faithless, he is faithful. So not even our unfaithfulness would ever trigger God to be unfaithful to us. Essential to the very nature of who God is, is his faithfulness. It's an essential part of who God is. If he wasn't faithful, he wouldn't be God. But he is faithful because he's God. So right at the very outset of this song here, Moses is setting the tone for this song that it's all about God, it's all about his majesty. Now that isn't a comprehensive look at God, but this is where Moses takes us in the initial part here of this song, the first of the opening stanzas, you might say it like that. Who are we? Again, we're going to come back and we're going to see some of that right now, and it's not a pretty picture actually of that. Uh, we are represented by Israel in this song. All of humanity is in this song here as in Israel. Uh, part of the reason that Moses wrote this song is that he knew these people very well. He just spent the last 40 years with them sort of tramping over the wilderness. and so He knew them very well. And just a few verses earlier to this song, he said this about them. After my death, I know what you're going to do. You're all going to act corruptly. You're going to leave God and you're going to go after all sorts of other worthless things. He just says this before the song. He says, I know who you are. So it's not a great picture of us here. Have a look in verse 5, what it says about us. We deal corruptly or dishonestly with God our Creator. In other words, we've turned our backs on God. And said, we'll sort our own lives out. It's up to us now. We can do this. We don't need you, God. We'll rule ourselves, thanks very much. 
And if you did read back through the last 40 years of Israel's wilderness journeys, we'd see time and time again of Israel's rejection of God in unbelievable circumstances. Saw the very evident judgments of God upon rebellious people and like one day later, two days later, these people are starting to rebel against God again. It's just mind-blowing. We don't deserve to be called his children at all. Again, that just serves to confirm our crooked and twisted ways as people. We reject God, the most glorious being of the universe, and his ways. We do that. We do that by taking life into our own hands. We actually head off to discover a whole new path of life without God, and then we actually pay the consequences of those choices of doing life on our own terms and not the way God has called us to do life. And look at verse 6 here. Again, this is not glowing stuff to sort of um, build up our self-esteem. Are you foolish and senseless people? Moses is saying, is that how you respond to God after all that he's done for you? After the way he's guided you and taken you every step of the way? Is that how you really respond to God? Moses is saying, that's foolish thinking. That's a foolish response. You've forgotten that God is your creator. He's your life giver. He's the one who gives you every breath. You've forgotten that your life comes from God alone. He holds it in his hands. And you choose to walk away from him and to live life on your own terms? Moses is saying, that's foolish. That's senseless. There's no sense in making that decision and responding like that. We all easily can fall into that same lifestyle. It easily becomes me first, me last, and sort of me in between. Life can become all about me so easily for every one of us. So what's Moses shown us here as he opens up this song? Just in the first six verses we see that God is great and glorious. God is unceasingly faithful, unceasingly faithful. And we are corrupt, dishonest, crooked, twisted, foolish and senseless. Now if you look at those two things as we think about this song here, it's like the perfect mismatch, isn't it? God glorious and great and faithful, us crooked and twisted and dishonest. It's a mismatch. It's a total mismatch. There's no connection there. How will God respond to this mismatch as we think about us and where God is? Well, how should God respond? What should he do when he's perfect in all of his ways? What would you say that we deserve in this mismatch? God and his greatness and his glory and us and our foolishness and senseless and crooked and twisted ways. Well, let's have a look where Moses goes in verse 7 to begin to paint this glorious picture of God's response. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you, your elders and they will tell you. What's he saying there? Remember. Remember. Remember, says Moses, look back and see. Look back over the years and see God's faithful hand remaining with us. Ask your father, he says. Ask your elders. Go and see them. Let them tell you what God has done for us. Look back. Remember. What are they going to tell us when they uh, call us to look back? Look in verse 8 there. They're going to tell us this. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. The Most High. He appoints nations and he gives them their borders. It's not about sort of divide and conquer with tanks and warfare. It's God who actually apportions the nations by his sovereign hand. 
our fathers and our elders will tell you this, Moses says, that God is sovereign. He rules over mankind. Now, as we see what's happening in Israel today, we think this is out of control. It's not. It's in control, absolutely in control, by a sovereign God who appoints the nations and their lands. We can't see what God's hand's doing in this, what his purposes are, but it's not out of control. It's in control by a sovereign God. Moses says, look back and remember this as well as he goes on in this song, that out of all the nations, out of all the nations that God has appointed through the land of the world, God has sovereignly chosen his special people to know him intimately as their personal God. Look at verse 9 there. Verse 9 says this, that the Lord's portion, his chosen people, is Jacob or Israel. When you see that word Jacob there, it's meaning for the, it's, uh, meaning the nation of Israel. And in today's terms, as we think about this choice that God's made, the Lord's portion are those people who are trusting in Jesus Christ as their saviour. This is the Lord's special people. This is the Lord's chosen portion, the ones trusting in Christ. Now, as we think about this response here from this perfect mismatch, as it were, Moses now goes on to show here what God has done for this chosen people, his heritage, Jacob, Israel, or those who are trusting in Christ as a saviour. Look in verse 10. God found us in a deserted, barren wasteland. That's where he discovered us. It's a wasteland howling with barrenness because of the consequences of us forsaking God and turning our backs upon him. Graciously allows us to go on in our corrupted ways, but then comes and rescues us from this deserted, barren wasteland. A life that's been marked by pain and despair, a life that's been marked by brokenness and sinfulness as we've continued to live a life away from God. But he comes to us in this barren wasteland and here's what we discover about God. Verse 10, he cares for us. He cares for us. God has us as the apple of his eye. Now that's ridiculous, isn't it? It's the perfect mismatch of God and his glory and faithfulness and us in our corrupted, crooked ways, but in his love, in this, of this connection now of this perfect mismatch, we are the apple of his eye. We are his treasured possession. We don't deserve that. We're not worthy, but that's exactly how God sees us as we put our trust and faith in Jesus Christ, in his glorious Son and his, as our Lord and Saviour. We become the apple of God's eye. Have you stopped to think about that? It doesn't matter if you're not the apple of anybody else's eye, but you are the apple of God's eye, the treasured possession of God. That is a beautiful thought to think about. Verse 11, God is like an eagle who carries its young chicks on its wings. Now, the, 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 the picture we're getting from Moses there is this. Eagles often push their chicks out of the nest and say, right, it's time to leave home. I've got a few. I've got to do that too eventually as well. I've got to push them out of the nest at home. No, not too many smiles at the front here. Uh, but, but sometimes these chicks aren't ready to fly. Well, they sort of are, but they sort of flutter around and they don't quite make it. Well, Mother Eagle flies down underneath them, actually catches them on her wing and then brings them back up to the nest again. Uh, The image is beautiful of what God does with us. We falter, we stumble, we fall. God's with us, catches us. We land on that wing and he just brings us back to that place of safety again. 
This is the picture of who God is. We're never alone. Even during the stumbling and falling and sort of faltering, God is always with us. Verse 12, more of what God does here in this perfect mismatch. God is guiding every step we take. The path may not always be known to us. Actually, the path is very rarely known to us. But God knows exactly where he's taking us. He's got our days perfectly ordered before us. He's the God who has us as the apple of his eye. He's guiding every step we take. What else has God done for us as we keep moving through these verses? God again, Moses again shows us God's abundant blessing in our lives. Look in verses 13 and 14. We see here this picture of abundance. You see some imagery there of milk and honey and curds. It's just this place of a blessing, this place of abundance here, enjoying pleasant places and having no lack, having all of our needs met by God. What's Moses saying? This is all from God. A faithful God who promised Israel the land of Canaan. God is faithfully letting Israel into this blessing just as he promised them. He would, and he is. Now just a little proviso here, because sometimes people can read that and sort of maybe try and directly apply it to ourselves today. Uh, Don't misunderstand me here. Uh, Israel will experience a massive material blessing directly applicable to them as they get into the land of uh, Canaan and the Promised Land. That's not necessarily the case with us today as we would think about material blessing. Material blessing may come to us as part of God's will, but it also may not. The spiritual blessing of Jesus, though, will be our portion. We can count on that. And let me assure you that the spiritual blessing of Jesus, the gospel, is a priceless blessing compared to any other material thing you may gain in this world. We can count on that priceless spiritual blessing in Christ. So Moses, he wants them to look back. Look back and remember who God is. He's a God who promises. He's a God who is faithful to fulfil his promises. Look back. Now that's not always easy for us to do that, is it? Sometimes we don't want to look back in our lives. Sometimes we don't want to look back because all we can think about in the past is all the pain that's associated there. And, And I get that. But at other times it really is important for us to look back at our lives to see what God has done, to remember his goodness, and also to look back into the life of the Bible as well and to see what's taking place there, the way God has fulfilled his promises. He's seeing it. Look back and have our hearts refreshed, Moses says, just as the gentle rains at the start of the song refresh the soft green grass. Look back to see that God is faithful, despite whatever circumstances we're going through, to look back and to see how God has carried us on this journey. God's faithfulness is demonstrated right throughout his word as well. It's a glorious picture of his faithfulness. Right back at the start in Genesis 3, God makes this promise here. It says that there's a seed that is going to come from Adam and Eve. It's going to be a person. This person will come from Adam and Eve who will destroy the work of sin and Satan. We follow that through. God faithfully chooses Israel to bring this person through who's eventually going to carry out this task. God faithfully rescues and carries Israel and plants them in the promised land. Centuries come, centuries go, down through the ages. God is continually faithful with this nation to bring this seed through in the great story of the Bible. And eventually, as the centuries do come and go, the Son of God, the Saviour, Jesus Christ, is born in Bethlehem as a baby. 
the God-man. A glorious picture of God's faithfulness, fulfilling here his promises. And here is perhaps one of the most beautiful pictures of God's faithfulness towards us in Romans 8, 31, 32, as we think about what God has done for us. Have a look here what it says. What then shall we say to these things? Now, Paul's talking about a whole lot of difficulty prior here in Romans chapter 8. He says, what then shall we say to all these challenging things we've experienced in chapter 8? If God is for us, who can be against us? And look what he says next. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? We could spend a long time just in that verse alone. The truth that is packed into those two verses, you can build your life on. You can build your life on. God faithfully gives up his son to take our place on the cross. If he's done that, his most treasured possession in Jesus Christ, his son, if he's done that, how will he not also give us all the other things that he's promised us as well? Of course he will. If he's given us Christ, he'll give us all things. Who is he? He's a faithful God. He's a faithful God. Jesus is faithful to build his church. He says in Matthew 18 there, I will build my church. I will build my church. Jesus makes that comment. And Jesus is faithfully building his church. I saw some figures the other day from Gordon Conwell University Research. Uh, Today there's over one billion Christians in the world. One billion. In Africa alone there's more than 500 million Christians in Africa. Now, if you think about where Jesus was making the statement 2,000 years ago, maybe get post-resurrection, maybe there was 500 believers. Okay, let's maybe call it 1,000 if we wanted to. Only 120 gathered in the upper room. But look at that today. One billion people bowing their knee gladly at the foot of the cross to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. He's faithfully building his church. That's a glorious picture. A wonderful picture. Now today, as we celebrate Exchange Church's 10th birthday, we are part of God's faithfulness in building that church. We are part of God's faithfulness in doing that. It's a celebration of God's faithfulness and grace towards us. We can look back and we can see God's hand faithfully working through the life of this church, his church. In September 2010, as you saw in one of those earlier slides, a group of about 15 or 16 adults plus children got together there one night to begin to uh, be a part of Jesus' church. Now, with much excitement and anticipation, we met to dream and to discuss planning a church in the south end of Shepparton for God's glory. God's faithful hand was with us there, just in that small group of people gathering on that evening. Six months later... Uh, On Saturday, April the 16th, 2011, we met for our first public meeting at the Riverside Plaza Community Room. Uh, 60 or 70 people turned up to support us. It was fantastic. And like all things, it sort of went off with a bang and then sort of just settled down not long after to about 25 or 30 people coming to form Exchange Church there in God's faithfulness at the time. It was small, but God is with us. God is faithful. God is carrying us. Uh, The early days left left us with a mixture of uh, excitement and also nervous tension in those early days of um, being a small group. 
Who would come tonight? Would anybody come tonight as we left home to sort of drive in to sort of set up for church? Who was going to turn up? We had very, many nervous waits at around 5pm on Saturday nights, thinking who was going to be there? Uh, one of our lowest meetings got down to about 15 people. That's a bit sort of, you know, seven people there, seven people there, and I said, it's all right. God is with us. God is faithful. Uh, we thought, how will we ever survive this? How will we ever be able to keep going? A uh, simple answer is God's grace, God's faithfulness to carry out his promises. The gospel motivated us. The gospel kept us going. Forward. To see people to know Jesus in a living and loving relationship is what kept motivating us and driving us to keep setting up every Saturday night and doing it all over again. To see people transformed. Uh, living lives now growing in the gospel through the Holy Spirit, to see them grow in the person of who Jesus is and see their lives transformed for his glory uh, was wonderful for us. To see a community as Dan and Diane were talking about before, just banding together, just that great community feel as we worked together here uh, at Exchange. It was wonderful what God was doing. Little by little, we continued to grow. 28 or 30 people in that first sort of 12 months or so, then 18 months later, 30 or 35 people coming together, so there's a few more coming. God's amazingly faithful towards us. Now, it wasn't always a bed of roses in gospel work. There are lots of challenges there. We had a number of building setbacks. We had, this is our sixth move, I think, over 10 years. Small challenges. Um, our, this is our second time at the senior citizens area, actually. We did meet out there for about 10 weeks back in 2011. Uh, we had people come and join us, which was great. We had people leave us, which was sad when that took place. Uh, they were challenging days as well. Uh, Laura and I would look back often with uh, incredible gratitude in our hearts for this small group of people who faithfully served and laboured every weekend. Uh, the rosters were pretty simple back then. Everybody was on the roster and all you do is do was a different job the next week. You didn't actually get a day off the roster, you just did a different job the next week. A great community feel as we laboured together, as we served together to see Jesus' kingdom grow and expand. Wonderful things. We often asked ourselves, how we kept going? How do we do this? How has Exchange Church got to where it is today, where there's probably 120 or 130 people? That's like four times where we were 10 years The call exchange, how do we do this? One simple answer. The faithfulness of God working through his people to glorify Jesus Christ. He helps us to get up every day, every week, and then do it all over again. God is faithful. He's faithful to Moses and the Israelites, as we see in this song, and he's faithful to Exchange Church as well. The fact that we're here today is a testament to God's faithfulness again. It's only by God's faithfulness that we are here today. And I can tell you there are some weekends that I come away thinking, I just sense that we are absolutely being carried by God in that. I come back and I think, how the heck do we pull that off? How do we actually get that to happen this weekend? Only by God carrying us in his journey. Faithful. But we live in a world that is characterised by much unfaithfulness. This is the contrast. We've all experienced this unfaithfulness at different levels in life. We've been let down by our spouse, we've been let down by our parents, we've been let down by our workplace, we've been let down by our friends. We've trusted that they would do something for us and they've let us down. Unfaithful. It's devastating when that takes place in our lives. We feel gutted and empty when that takes place. 
But that will never happen with God. Why? He's faithful. He's the God who's always there. He's the God who's faithful to the very end. Uh, The great missionary to China, Hudson Taylor, had as a motto for this in his life. He said, you can trust in the faithfulness of God. You can trust in the faithfulness of God. Because of God's faithfulness, Hudson Taylor goes into China and labours there for decades and decades in immense hardship with uh, friends and family dying left, right and centre. But he knows and he believes in the faithfulness of God and he goes and labours in that land joyfully obeying, trusting in uh, in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Saviour. And even when things didn't go according to Hudson's plans, which would have been probably lots of times... He still trusted in God's faithfulness because God had a different plan than what Hudson Taylor had at that time. Even when it goes wrong, he can still trust in God. Even today, as many of you would have received that uh, uh, document we handed out today, we're beginning the next phase here of seeking a permanent home for Exchange Church. This is the next phase in the life of this church as we seek to build a gospel ministry centre to continue gospel ministry, to see people rescued and saved and be born again and come into a living and loving relationship with Christ. We don't know how that will look. We're going to put our best plans in place and call for Jesus to motivate us and drive us, but we're then going to trust in God's faithfulness through that for those plans to be worked out in his... We will put plans in place and do our best there, but we're not sure how those plans will look. But we will trust in God's faithfulness to carry out those plans again so that he is honoured and glorified in all that we do. Let me close here with this great truth of help in our life which uh, Ruth read for us earlier. It says here in Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. It's a really powerful truth. It's the maker of heaven and earth is the one who helps me. The maker of heaven and earth is the one who the one who spoke the universe into being with a single word. He's the one who helps me. But what about if I couple that truth together with God's faithfulness that he will never leave me and forsake me? The one who makes the heaven and the earth, he's my helper, and he is faithful to always help. He will never let me down. When I couple that together with his faithfulness, That builds amazing confidence in my life. It actually builds amazing risk and sacrifice in my life as well. That I can trust God and I can risk things for God because he is my helper, he is my maker, and I can trust that he'll be faithful because I want to do things that will bring honour and glory to his name. It's a powerful truth when you grab what you can see there with the help that we get from the Lord, but also the faithfulness that he is to us. God is faithful. We can build our lives on him. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, today, thank you. Thank you that we can come and celebrate uh, this occasion today of your faithfulness towards us. Lord, we see what Moses is doing there with the Israelites on the, the border of the promised land, about to enter in, Lord, and he reminds them again of your faithfulness. He reminds them again of what you have done and what you will do going into the future. I pray today, Lord, as we uh, sit here and as we celebrate and think about what you've done, Lord, we will take that into the future as well as we continue to want to see people uh, coming into a living and loving relationship with Jesus Christ as as their Lord and Saviour.
Let your faithfulness, Lord, continue to motivate us and empower us to be faithful to you and faithful to glorify your name. Lord, today we do thank you for that and do pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person. So consider yourself invited to be with us.